January 2018, we were about 60,000. Jan 2019, 135,000. Jan 2020, 240,000. And as of September, 318,000 visitors to our content site. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast. And have I got a special episode for you today. We have legend in the game. We're talking, I think, nearly 20 years in the marketing space, doing info, doing agency, and doing SaaS. We have Sujan Patel, who's going to jump on to first talk about his work in those three different areas, how he's built up the expertise by doing info, by doing agency. And in the second half of the chat, we talk about how MailShake are now at 300,000 sessions per month, how they've grown SaaS, how they started with AppSumo, and really the one recommended method that Sujan shares to grow a SaaS business. So no other stuff today. We're going to jump right into that discussion now. I'm going to kick off by telling you about Monday night, because I was listening to a podcast interview with Rob Walling on the Indie Hackers podcast. He was saying how if you're going to go into SaaS these days, you need some kind of extra special advantage. And he said one of those was having really good marketing skills. And after he said that, he listed off a few names. And one of them was you. He was like, well, if you're Sujan Patel, then you can just jump into any market, like email, for example, and crush. So I'm going to kick off the conversation with that and to kind of give context to the audience. But the question I had about that really is, how do you think you've got to that point where you have this extreme marketing skill set that you could jump into any industry as per Rob Walling? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm flattered. Rob's a very successful entrepreneur and I would consider him an advisor or mentor. Unofficially, he doesn't know it, but I listen to everything and take his advice. So how do I get there or how did that, how does one get there? Time and experience and trial, right? So yeah, I'm great at marketing now, but what you don't see is the 10, you know, 15 years, actually 10 years of marketing before doing SaaS, right? So in 2015, when I first started with Mailshake and started my own SaaS company. But in 2002, three is when I started doing digital marketing. And 2001 is when I got exposed to SEO and launched my first failed business. And so, yeah, I've been trying to get into SaaS for 10 years, <laughs> failing a lot. And I learned by working at the agency side, it's very, very valuable skill set, working on marketing on various different companies. So yeah, it's 10 years in the making. And I deliberately... Everything I'm doing now is all started in 2013 with a very deliberate choice to jump into SaaS and start over. Got it. So I do want to focus on the Mailshake story because it seems like you guys have got some pretty sweet numbers, relatively new and in a competitive space. So marketing is important. But before that, I've obviously like been through your back history. I've actually known of you for like five years, maybe. I think I read your The 100 Days of Growth book ages ago. Nice, yeah. You do... A lot of stuff, like both on the SaaS agency and info side, e.g. the book. So how do you, like over the last 10 years, how have you split your time between these different things? Uh, not very well, uh, I would say. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so I've done eBooks and, and I've done courses, uh, eBooks and courses. I don't know anything about courses. I've done maybe two or three, actually four or five launches with two different courses, kind of updating them. eBooks. 
I've done two, one very successful 100 days of growth, 50,000 people have purchased or downloaded the book in some way, shape or form that I know of. And I've got their email address for it. And agency work, single grain, first time around, $3 million company exited in 2013, web profits. I swore off I'll never do consulting again because I absolutely got burned out and hated it. And then, you know, I guess I did it again. And with web profits, I run, to be clear, I run the US business or I own the US business. The web profit's global. It's a fairly large company based in Australia and Singapore and kind of a lot of APAC. But yeah, how do I split my time? Right now, I'd say 70% focus on Mailshake. I've got an, I've got four total SaaS companies I split my time between. And then the agency, which I'm no longer kind of a day-to-day active member of. We've got a good general manager, kind of president type person to run it. An amazing marketing team. So like... I don't really have much to contribute outside of kind of the strategy or like, you know, when we first take a client on or we talk through strategy, like how to go about it. Right. And if it's SaaS, I know a lot B2B SaaS. I can, I can definitely contribute. If it's anything else, which only e-commerce, then I really don't jump in for the most part. Got it. So right now, the most of your focus is on the SaaS companies, but how advantageous would you say is it to have an agency at some point in your marketing slash online business journey? I think it's absolutely critical to be working at an agency or owning one at some way, shape, or form. One, to kind of get your bad ideas out the door. Like Everyone thinks agency is a very lucrative business. And it is if you're a one, five-man shop, three-man shop, three-person shop here. You can make a lot of profit. And then it is when you get to 10 million plus. In between, it's very low margin and a lot of work. And you're working on multiple hats. So yes, running a business like an agency teaches you a lot of what to do with human capital and also helps you explore marketing on many, many different types of businesses of which you have no control over their core business. All you can do is practice marketing successfully, hopefully, if not even sometimes unsuccessfully, and you'll still learn from it. So yeah, I mean, like it's like I would say it's a way for people to compartmentalize their skill set. And like for me, I learned to be able to switch gears quickly. So like after this, I can go deep dive for Mailshake for two hours and I can go switch to another company and go switch. And I like I can do that three times today. And that I learned from you know nine years of doing agency work. Makes sense. Have you also been able to leverage, say, the audience or the clients of an agency into a, a different SaaS product or even leverage the customer base from one SaaS product or one book into something else? Like, have you been able to combine these things? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say I stack them on top of each other. Not always is there a like direct correlation or like a deck combination. Like for example, Web Profits doesn't really like maybe some of our clients use Mailshake or our, our other products like Redinbox, but like I don't really care for one customer at Mailshake. It doesn't really move the needle, right? One customer or one client at, at Web Profits moves the needle because we charge like 10K a month, right? So it's a six figure client. So not so much from like a um, customer and sharing customers, but like more for like, hey, look, I know what I'm doing. I run my own companies. Like it is like, you know, people ask for quotes or testimonials or references. It's like, I'm my own reference. Look at this. This is what I did. And you know, we have more obviously with other clients, but it's like the proof is in the pudding. I, I do it for myself. This is the same strategies or approach I would take. I think having a smart marketing team that having experience hiring smart marketing team at Web Profits and building out a marketing team has helped me not make mistakes at the SaaS company and also or 
you know, sometimes we hire our own agency to say, Hey, like, look, we need to kickstart our paid search efforts or our advertising efforts. I don't have a budget to go hire somebody. And I actually believe uh, paid acquisition should always be outsourced because if one agency or consultant sucks, you move to the next one quickly, quickly, quickly until it starts to work and you can try different ideas very, very fast. But yeah, I think it's from like a operational perspective. It's been very, very efficient. And then from a operating and marketing, like kind of like focus on the right strategy, it's helped us like when we figure something out at one company or even one client, we can apply it across the board, right? Like when we figured out how to reduce churn at Mailshake, when we figured out how to onboard customers, like it wasn't the exact same thing we applied to our other companies, but that framework, you can't unlearn it. And so we like used a lot of that same stuff. So I don't know, I spent like 300 hours trying to optimize onboarding over the course of two years at Mailshake. Those, I spent five hours at Right Inbox because I'm like, I just did the right thing and it worked, right? So I don't have to do it again, which is, I think, uh, a skill set superpower, but it's come. It's countered by taking away your attention and, and lack of focus, unfortunately. How much conscious effort have you put into building the personal brand? And that list that you have for your person, do you then use that to also promote the agency and SaaS products? Absolutely. 100% conscious effort. This was deliberate. Started in 2013. I realized I never put... So Neil Patel is my cousin. I saw him grow from like, he and I grew up together as kids. I saw him grow from like this goofy little kid uh, to like a internet, like SEO marketing legend brand, right? Like he's trying to be the best marketer up there with uh, Ogilvy, you know, Gary V's, all those folks, right? Like, and it was his personal brand, the, the deliberate efforts. And I saw him firsthand from 2008 to 2014. And I even helped him because he was one of our clients at Single Grain and eventually a part owner, like five, 10% or something like that. I was like, fuck, why didn't I do this for myself? Like, I see him getting more value. I see him building his other SaaS businesses. And I'm like, I need to do it. And that was, he's one example why I witnessed it firsthand. I, I was in the weeds on it. But I, there's lots of other people who have personal brands. So yes, 100% deliberate effort. So in 2013, I started blogging regularly. 2014, like Jan 1, every single week, every day, like my goal was to publish content regularly. I think between my blog and like all the places I guest post, I probably produce around 50 to 75 articles a month. I mean, sorry, a year. Uh, Probably on the front loaded, it was a lot of like kind of like entrepreneur magazine, kind of like larger publications, shorter content. So maybe close to 100 the first few years. And I'm like, if I'm going to launch a SaaS business or a product, I need to build a brand. I want to build a brand. So it accelerates my growth. So that's the first thing I did is start creating content regularly. Did that for one year. And then I launched 100 Days of Growth, launch an ebook, build an email list, right? So content regularly, launch an ebook. And my email list went from you know nothing, maybe 500 people in 2014 to... 35,000 people in 2000, it started 2015 because I got a lot of people to download my book through just sheer hard work. And I won't bore you with the details with how that happened. It's a whole podcast in itself. I'll send you a link that you can include in the show notes. But yeah, and then in 2016, like mid 2000, mid 2015, which is when we launched Mailshake, we had another 5,000, three to 5,000 people on the Mailshake list. So, you know, we had like 40,000 plus people to promote the launch of Mailshake. And 
that's how we got our first, I think, 120, 130 customers. And this is a perfect segue into the MailChimp section. So we basically built, we, we can't understand more about your background now. And, and I want to now see how that experience and that audience and that money probably has enabled you to grow MailChimp. So going back to your point there, you had about 40,000. Was that pre or post the AppSumo launch? Uh, pre AppSumo launch. Got it. And so did you then, you didn't email your 40K list into AppSumo, presumably, because then you'd be giving them the chunk. So you kind of, well, did you release a subscription product pre or post AppSumo? Like, how did that AppSumo thing fit into the launch? Yeah. yeah. So we launched an AppSumo. We did two deals, I believe, one in mid in early 2016, and then one again in late 2016. And between 2015, like July is when we launched, and February when we launched AppSumo in 2016, we built up a few hundred customers, but we got stuck with product market fit, you know, most common issue of why startups fail, I'd say, at least the first rate, first pass through of failing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was all, those few hundred customers were all built from my personal email list and, you know, the MailShake email list that we've grown. Like MailShake, I don't want to under, like, so I don't want to say, so how I built the MailShake list, that's like three to 5,000 people, I forgot the exact number, but it's under five, it's definitely over three, is using my personal brand and what I'm working on and sharing the journey. But then it was MailShake. It wasn't me. It was all the MailShake story that kind of continued to accelerate the growth of that email list, right? I used my list to get that list and then I used that. But of the mail sh- of my personal list, maybe 40, 50 people bought, right? But of the MailShake list, that's where we got 100, 200 plus people over the course of a year. Now, so we got around like 500 customers or a little less than 500 customers in the lifetime of between launch and AppSumo. And what happened was that we couldn't get product market fit and we lost a lot of those customers. They just churned out. I did a deal with my list to like, say you get like 90% off. Just you get like, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing at the time. You know, in hindsight, I was like, that was stupid. That was a, I did a lot of dumb stuff, but you know, I, I thought I was doing the right thing. We started with $50 a month product and Mailshake was actually called contentmarketer.io and it's a content marketing tool. We try to do too much. And what we found is that like, what we have really in terms of like what is awesome is our email outreach part of the product. It was just one of the three things that we did. And so we started spinning off these micro tools and we just like, well, let's just call them something and let's make them free to drive traffic and awareness and customers to the main product, right? And so we launched Connector, which is now re like it pretty much got rebranded to Mailshake and rebuilt. And that's what we launched on AppSumo. And that, so that started off as free, right? I was like, whatever. And by the time we launched on AppSumo, I was like, oh, the rest of this product is garbage. We're going to throw this all away. We're going to rebrand as Connector. And then we launched an AppSumo deal as Connector. And I was, first of all, we gave it away for free. And then we're like, ah, people are like using this like crazy. We can't support this for free. Too many customer support tickets. Let's just charge the cheapest possible rate. Nine dollars or seven dollars a month. It was like something stupid, and it was intentionally stupid, low, so that pricing wasn't an issue. It was just like you use the product. And so when we launched on AppSumo, we were still nine, nine or seven dollars. And so to me, I was like, I'll give this away for free to get product market fit validation and customers. So to me, AppSumo, the first both times, 
was not so much in generating money. I think we probably made around $100,000 between the two launches. And they kept, you know, and, and that they kept, that was our take of the total money that we earned. I think it generated about 6,500 total users or customers through the door for Mailshake. But to me, that was like a marketing channel that pays me 100 grand to get customers, right? And that 100 grand, don't get me wrong, we had spent way more than 100 grand to support these customers over the course of six years. It's expensive to support customers. They, you know, and it's a great thing to have a lot of customers, word of mouth. It's a really bad thing to have a lot of customers. You have to support them, aka if you have one technical co-founder, he's going to spend a lot of time fixing bugs and all the things they would come up with and run into and not on features. And that was really, really hurt us. But that being said, when do you ever get 6,000 people using your product telling you all the stuff that's wrong with it in a month? So we accelerated our timeline quickly to validation, but yeah, it came with a cost. Makes total sense. Post AppSumo, what was the best channel to get from like 500 subscription to 5,000 subscription customers or 2,000? And then after that, I want to talk about SEO because you guys are smashing that. So what was the first channel that worked? And then we'll talk about FEO. Although you may say SEO right from the start, but let's see what happens. (laughs) It's SEO, yeah. So word of mouth is our... AppSumo helped us generate word of mouth, right? So 6,000 people telling their friends. So if you have a viral coefficient of like 10%, so of... And ours is like about 3 or 4%. So 6,000 people... Three to four percent, two hundred people roughly, telling their friends every month. Let's not two hundred people telling their friends. Two hundred people signing up as a result of people telling their friends. So it's actually way more people telling us, but the revenue, like the customer impact, is two hundred customers. So those six thousand people brought two hundred customers for every month for five years straight. It's still about two hundred people or so coming in from word of mouth. So that has been our biggest channel. We've done things wrong, right? Whatever. But that's number one. That was AppSumo, I'd say, was the big reason for that. Not Sorry, not AppSumo. I, would, I want to give AppSumo all the credit. I want to give lifetime deal that drives a lot of customers. AppSumo is the most popular brand. And I mean, I love them. They're in Austin. I know Noah and Eamon really well. But like, that's one way to launch apps. Like, I could launch a lifetime deal on my customer base and I got 200 people, right? I could do that, but it's really about the email list. Anyways, second thing is SEO and content. Like, that is our second biggest and almost like they go neck and neck, like they fight each other to see who's channel number one. Just, okay, two points. So the first is, you're totally right about word of mouth coming from a lifetime deal, but you don't get that if the product's shit. So credit to your technical co-founder for also building something yeah. that's good. And then, okay, so did you, I assume like you're the SEO guy, you were consciously from, as soon as you became Mailshake and started pushing that, did you start laying the foundations for SEO then? I mean, like when we came up with the idea, so... February 2015, we started blogging once a week. It was crap content. I mean, I say crap content for my quality guidelines today is fine. You know, help us build our brand. Yeah, every week. Without a product, without any money, I spent money. I mean, without generating any revenue from 2015 to now. And now we create way more content than, you know, one a week. But yeah, it was once a week, crap content. Eventually, you know, we got editors, we got better, more in-depth, more unique content. Yeah, every day, every week. I mean, sorry, every week publishing, every day probably writing. So there's this one I was researching earlier. This is one post, the, well, the key word, actually, the one key word for follow-up email, I think, according to Ahrefs, and it may not be accurate, is bringing 50% of all organic traffic and it's ranking for all of these terms. 
did you know that that was going to be such a winner when you were producing that? Like, how did this come about? Yeah, I mean, I think everything has been very fairly deliberate, right? I think I don't want to say like, oh yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure I did. Yeah, I mean, but yes, I do, right? Like we like you did the research. Anybody can go on Ahrefs, and they should, and look at what keywords are the best and highest ranking. We looked at Yesware was crushing it on traffic, and so we just like we're like oh like that they are working. I made an assumption saying okay, Yesware this is a huge keyword. We do what we do is a follow up strategy, right? Like so we kind of fit the bill. So it's I don't know if there's buyer intent at the time. I didn't know there's buyer intent, but yeah, high volume. Our competitors rank presumably, and that's what we do. Seems like a, a, a no brainer to go after big keyword in the space. And I don't think it generates uh, half our traffic. I mean, I think Ahrefs is not wrong in that how much it generates traffic for us, but I don't think it's it's nowhere near half. I think it's probably you know like twenty five percent or so, maybe maybe that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we get our blog gets three hundred thousand, or not blog, our content gets three hundred thousand visitors a month, and it's been growing. Mm. I'll actually pull up the, the the stats here while we talk. But yeah, I mean. January 2018, we were about 60,000. Jan 2019, 135,000. Jan 2020, 240,000. And as of September, 318,000 visitors to our content site. Beautiful. Content being our ebooks, blog, and stuff like that. Got it. So, of course, you need to target the right keywords. You need to have great content. The other thing you need is backlinks. Now, I'm looking at the referring domains to you now. And I'm thinking like the who's who of big SaaS companies. <laughs> in my notes, I put, is there some kind of cartel that you have to get in with to get these backlinks? How does that work if it's just you creating great content? So you're kind of right on this cartel thing. But, so this is my favorite. I'm going to tell you my favorite link building strategy. Anybody can do it, but it's not easy. Hmm. All right, Everybody should be doing this. Figure out what space you want to be in from day one. Create content regularly right? every week. Whatever. You'll get better over time. You'll know when it's shit and you'll figure out how to make it better. Second thing to do as you continue to do that is build relationship with the who's who in the space, right? So we start off as a marketing tool. And hey, look, I was a marketer for 10, 12 years before doing Mailshake. And so guess what? I had a relationship with other marketers, right? And so some of which are who's who list already. And then we realized, oh, we're in the sales space. So I was like, okay, crap, I need to build relationship with all the salespeople too, all the who's who's there. And combined, there's like, I don't know, like, Six, seven thousand companies out there that have a decent brand. And I'm like, my goal is to be best friends with their marketer. I do want the link, but I'm not going to be best friends with them because I want the link. I want to be best friends with them so that when they think email something, email, sales, outreach, whatever, you, sales automation, whatever you want to kind of refer to us as a brand, they think Mailshake and they reference us, whether it's a stat, a link, a plug, a mention on LinkedIn, whatever. I want them, my brand to be. In the back of their mind somewhere when they're creating content. And that's what we did. Every week, I would just go ping some folks and just say, hi, like, hey, look, I'm creating content. Can I reference you in something? So mm. a lot of value given up front, promote them, just saying hi, no, no intention to do anything. Maybe I interviewed them on my video. So this is where my personal brand helped me get a leg up because you know when I reached out, they knew who I was. Not because of my Mailshake brand, like this Rinky Dick company, but what I've done 10 years prior to that and all the like personal brand I did from 2014 and 15 ebooks and stuff like that. Sometimes it helped me. Sometimes it hurt me in the sense that like people didn't like what I did, right? They're like, Oh, this is scammy. Or like, I don't like info products. I only want to talk to founders. So it didn't help me always either, but yeah, 
all of that is my link building strategy. And so I can get, I can send an email right now and get like 10 links. Is that what I'm building these relationships for? Hell no. A link is worth a minuscule amount of value that I can get from those folks. And vice versa, like I help and I give, I try to do more than I take, but uh, it's debatable. Nice. Now we're, I'm going to sum up here with what I think, if I had to theme this interview with one theme, and maybe also for like your your career, maybe, it, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like long-term thinking. Like you started off back in the start of the 2000s, and then you've really just been focused on adding value in various different ways over the long term. And even with your SEO or the growth strategy for Mailshake, day one, you invested in this long-term SEO strategy. So do you think if someone was to take away one thing, if like a young marketer slash entrepreneur, if they were to take away one thing from the interview, do you think that would be a good one or is there something else? Yeah, I, I think focus on that long term and don't try to milk the value right there, like today. Think about what you're going to, like what general direction you want to go in life. And guess what? Any direction is better than no direction. And just say, I, like, I want to be, I want to build the next HubSpot. I want to build the next Facebook. Okay, who do I need to know? What are the foundational things of the people? What are the skill sets I need? And what do I need to like learn? Like education. Skill set is like application of education. So action on edu- on what you learn. And then the who are people, those three things on whatever the heck goal it is. And just put a date on it five years down the road. I'm going to go build something crazy in five years. What do I need to do? And that's your college degree right there. I didn't go to school. Well, I didn't finish school. I went there, but I goofed off and surfed. This is what I took away from doing that. Because there's probably four or five smart people in my life that have kind of helped help me be the person I am. And it's all about me having some random crazy goal. Most of the time it was the wrong one. And then them helping me get there. But when I got to that wrong goal, I course corrected. And along the way, now I course correct before I get to the end of the road. Amazing. Sujan, where can people find you? Yeah, best place to find me is my personal blog, sujanpatel.com. That has been the least successful blog on my effort for my part in terms of traffic. But yeah, I share everything I know there, all the kind of fun or bad failures and whatnot. So yeah, follow along there. And if you could, I'm always on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can just ping me, connect with me and I'm an open book. So ask me anything. Just don't ask me stuff you can Google. So Jen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing kind of your whole marketing career. It has been really eye-opening for me and I'm sure for the audience as well. Thank you for having me. It's been fun to kind of recollect and put this into like a, into a very like, I didn't think about this until I talked about it. So, <laughs> so thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, Sujan. That was a beast of an episode. I think we squeezed in quite a bit of value there. Again, if you like the show, if you listen to the show, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'll read it out on the show and get you and your business a shout out so go and do that now you can find us confessions of a b2b marketer search in apple podcast and of course as always thank you so much for listening